Welcome to the Inclusion Think Tank podcast brought to you by New Jersey Coalition for Inclusive Education, NJCIE. As the name suggests, this podcast will discuss inclusive education and most importantly, why it works. On this episode, I welcome my guest, Alyssa Rush. Alyssa is an inclusion facilitator with NJCIE. She shares her experience of inclusive education being a former teacher and her suggestions on how schools can better improve their inclusive education settings. I would like to welcome everyone back to another episode of the Inclusion Think Tank podcast presented by New Jersey Coalition for Inclusive Education. On today's show, I welcome my guest, Alyssa. Alyssa is an inclusion facilitator at NJCIE. So welcome to the show today. I'm happy to have you on as a guest. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So um, to get started, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us who you are and... um, know what you do and something you'd like to do for fun in your uh free time (laughs) (laughs) free time okay yes (laughs) um yeah no i i am currently an inclusion facilitator with the new jersey coalition for inclusive education um i've worked mostly on the technical assistance side of um, our njieta grant So I've had the pleasure of uh, meeting school staff from all around the state, you know, working around their goals for um, enhancing inclusive opportunities for students in schools. Um, I'm now shifting over to the systemic change side, which I'm really excited about because I'm just continuing to learn and grow um, with this organization. And um, my background primarily is that of, um, I was a general educator. I taught high school history for eight years. Um, had my own experience with inclusion in, in that context. And, um, you know, I also worked as, I work as an executive functions coach um, with an outside organization, which is something that I, I really, um, you know, love and, and do that. Uh, for, for fun, um, I would say I, I definitely like to, it's like crazy, but I, I cook as a way of a stress relief. And I noticed when I'm anxious, I bake. So everyone around me benefits um, from all those things because, you know, there's always something in the kitchen or something I'm trying out, uh, which doesn't always work out perfect, but it's it's a fun opportunity to experiment and relieve a little stress. That's great. Cooking and baking is always a a really good thing for sure. I I can relate. I also find it very relieving, stress relieving uh, to cook or to bake and... uh, it hits all of the senses, I think, <laughs> the visual and, <laughs> you know, it hits, yeah, hits so right? many of the senses. So it, it really is uh, relaxing. I, I find it relaxing as well. So I can relate to that. <laughs> um, so how how did you become interested in inclusive education? Is there a specific uh, event in your life that led you uh, to this world of inclusive education or... You know, how, how, how did you become interested? Um, so I, as I mentioned, I taught as a high school um, social studies teacher for eight years. And um, I, I co-taught that class with a special educator. And so in that experience, we, um, we worked with students with a diverse range of abilities. And I will say there was um, the first year that I had a student with more complex needs. Um, I remember feeling that like I 
wasn't prepared or I wasn't qualified to really support um, that particular student. And luckily at the time I had such incredible colleagues who really made me feel safe being uncomfortable um, and, and gave me the opportunity to learn um, all about that student, about their devices, the needs that they had, where um, it built my confidence in terms of how I was going to um, support that student in my classroom. And then it also opened me up to thinking about ways I could use some of those accommodations um, for all of my students. And so just seeing how important it was to really create that environment that was welcoming of um, you know, all of my students, and then seeing how some of the adaptations I was making, how they could really serve everyone. And so I think in doing that, I saw my students, um, you know, it, it built their self-regulation skills, um, it built their sense of ownership and using different materials in the class. And so seeing that, like building that welcoming environment, even through the challenges um, and seeing myself grow where I was like, wow, I, I can do this. And I'm supported by like incredible people where we're doing it as this like village of sorts. Um, it just, I just saw how impactful it was for everyone in the room. So that's like my hook. And <laughs> from there, it was just, it, became a more normal part of my my practice. Yeah, I I love the two parts that you mentioned where you know, where you were okay to say like, "Hey, I'm uncomfortable with this. Like I'm not familiar with this." <laughs> and then also having like you said having the the support around you to uh help you through it and help you learn uh you know, help you learn what what it is and and what is actually going on and the needs of the student and then on the other side of it, seeing how it can all be beneficial uh, for everybody in the room. That is like a, a great, uh, a great progression through, you know, like, hey, like, I'm not too sure about this, but then, you know, having the, the help and the support to get you through the steps and then, uh, you know, the, the final realization that it, it's, um, you know, it's beneficial to everybody, which is such an important um such an important thing to mention. What does inclusive education mean to you? How would you define uh, inclusive education? So I think, and this is something that just sticks with me, I think as a social studies educator is like the belief in the fundamental right of access to quality education for all students. Um, that really is a strong foundation of, um, you know, it was what I taught, it's what I believe in. And, you know, what that looks like in a school is you know, children learning in their neighborhood schools with their friends um, in age appropriate classrooms with their peers and, you know, in that least restrictive environment where there's that access to high quality instruction, but students also, you know, are receiving interventions and supports that they uh, may individually need. And I really think, um, you know, there's an element of school culture that builds into that where um, you're not only like celebrating differences, but it's normalizing it um, where, you know, it's it's common and, um, you know, we're also emphasizing student strengths in everything that we do. So it's kind of like a few parts to that, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that is, uh, I, I love the, uh, 
highlighting the strengths. That's always um, so important to me. And uh, as someone myself who lives with a disability and uh, focusing on uh, my strengths, which, you know, sometimes aren't always so strong, but, <laughs> you know, just recognizing them and uh, focusing on those rather than uh, the things that I can't do is something that has uh, helped me through uh, my life personally. And having other people believe and focus on my strengths is uh, especially my uh, former teachers and educators uh, throughout, uh, you know, from elementary school all the way through college is, um, you know, something definitely that I reflect on um, quite often and really uh, you know, I'm grateful for to have had uh, great support through my educational years of, uh, you know, the teachers in and out of the classroom, I'll say, because I know we learn in multiple, uh, in multiple settings in and outside of the classroom. <laughs> so you mentioned that you were um, a co-teacher co uh, for a while there, and uh, that is, you know, part of inclusive education. But can you describe uh, what an inclusive education classroom looks like to you? What, what, how is it set up and, and all of those kinds of things? Um, it's interesting you ask that because I think when I started, I had this vision of like, you know, what your classroom is supposed to look like, the rows for this activity, the groups for this activity. Um, and I think in practice, it's just really letting go of what you think it should be <laughs> to <laughs> making the room meet the needs of your students. And so, I mean, I think in terms of, um, you know, setting up those expectations, it's really empowering student voice through that process, um, having them co-author uh, classroom norms and expectations, um, you know, really clearly, explicitly, sharing um, routines, expectations, criteria, but finding ways to build um, student voice into that where they they have agency over those decisions. Because um, that for me was something that, you know, in order to get the buy-in, I needed their participation. And just thinking about the flexibility in everything that I ever designed um, because what I thought was going to work, oftentimes there were three other ways to do it. <laughs> and oftentimes the best way was asking the students what they wanted to do or, you know, how they were going to easily or more easily navigate something. So, um, I mean, that came in years of my experience where it was like, oh, I, I have the design set up this way, but why don't I ask them to design it in a way that, um, would just make everything more accessible for them. So, yeah, I guess the whole point of that is really, you know, including student voice and agency into the decisions um, in order for, you know, it to fit the needs of that specific room. And every room looks different because you have different students. Yes, that is, um, that's great. I love the, you know, bringing in like full collaboration along with the students, like in, including them in the, conversation of what, you know, what it is that will work best for them is, um, you know, it's always great to uh, have that input when you're, you know, designing anything or, or creating something for someone else to, uh, you know, to, to see what works, what actually works for them. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's very different, but for myself, having a physical disability, 
not all the accommodations and things that are made and approved by the Americans with Disabilities Act are the greatest and they aren't quite accessible for people who actually use wheelchairs. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, you know, so I often wonder, it's like, did they have someone in a wheelchair like test this ramp out? <laughs> you know, because it's like, I, I don't think they did because this is really difficult to get up. So yeah, um, so when you said having the students input and uh, actually talking with them and having their voice heard and included in that conversation, it made me think of that. And I'm like, yeah, like that's really, <laughs> really true. It, it helps out so much when you, um, you know, when you know what their what their needs are and what they're looking for and how you can um, implement that and include that into the classroom setting. It's, uh, you know, has to be very beneficial for for everybody. <clears throat> I will say though, I mean, it definitely wasn't something I had figured out at first either. <laughs> it came oftentimes out of the necessity mm-hmm. where, you know, a classroom was changed or I had to move to a different location where then I was scrambling to figure things out. And I'm like, wait, I have all these other people I have to think about. Like, why don't I ask their opinion <laughs> instead <laughs> of me trying to manage it all alone? Um, and then you know, when I did let go, you saw the success of the things that were, you know, that they put in place. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So in your introduction, you did mention that you are an executive functions coach. Can you explain uh, what you do in that role and how the work you do can be beneficial in an inclusive classroom setting? Absolutely. I, I, in thinking about this, it's like the first thing that really comes to me is I I build relationships with my with my clients and the students that I work with, um, because I think in order for us to even start talking strategy or introduce a tool or something, you have to build that foundation of trust and um, hear concerns, and you know really think about ways that you're going to navigate that route as a team. And so, I mean, more logistically, we, um, I, you know, we look to identify some of their challenges um, with executive functioning at that time, and then we, you know, prioritize areas of concerns with the client. And another huge aspect is considering their mindset, because you know, there's definitely an aspect of readiness for change that goes into it, where, um, you know, people come in at different levels of feeling like they're ready to do something different or try something new. And so that really, um, you know, in, in thinking about that, we, that helps us to identify and prioritize, um, the, the goals that we're going to work on. And so, um, in the actual day to day, uh, I work to support the clients with those goals through introducing tools and strategies to really, um, you know, increase independence in all aspects of their lives, whether it's academic, whether it's managing a schedule and getting to practice on time, whether it's an adult, you know, trying to uh, coordinate when they're going to go grocery shopping, (laughs) Um, or it's, you know, just, it's really like, or it's just social emotional, like how they're, you know, how they connect with themselves. And so, I mean, I think all of that (laughs) really into, um, you know, what could benefit an inclusive setting. Um, And so I remember as a teacher, when I had started this work, it really helped me to reflect on, 
you know, what I was doing with my students in my classroom. And I think sometimes there's this expectation that students should have a specific level of functioning or um, a set of skills that they should have by a certain age. And in my experience, I just didn't see that that was the case, especially with like how diverse um, classrooms really are. And so I think, you know, it really becomes the responsibility of, you know, every person to think about how we're going to support our students um, in different educational settings. I mean, teaching high school student has, you know, six different teachers or five different teachers. And so, you know, it's all of our uh, responsibilities to, you know, teach and model those kind of um, pieces in what that looks like in our individual um, setting. And then really sharing those ideas with each other around what works for that particular student in order to help them be successful um, in a future grade or a different class. And I mean, when you, I think when I was able to reframe that um, and really build that sense of student agency in, in the, the skills or the tools that they were using, um, I think it helped, it, you know, you saw the benefit, like you, you saw the increase in engagement, you saw that they were able to participate, um, you know, in different ways, or I don't know, it just like, you saw them grow. So um, I think finding ways to kind of, you know, capture that and share it with uh, their future teachers was something that really became important to me. Yeah, that's, um, it is. It's it's so interesting, and I um I'm I majored in psychology and uh in college, so it's always interesting to me. And and as you said, with uh mentioning the the milestones that you know you're supposed to reach, or they say you're supposed to reach by a certain age or a certain grade level, um you know, and just how that is not necessarily true for everybody, <laughs> um and it's just everybody's an individual, and you just have to you know, go with it and, and figure out ways to, uh, you know, to help each student. And then, as you said, like in the high school years where you have all the different teachers, that is just, you know, that, that can be <laughs> overwhelming for any, for any and every student, I think. <laughs> and you have the different styles of teaching by each person and it's, it can be very, uh, very challenging for sure. So, um, you know, so the work that you're doing as, as an executive uh, functions coach, I think is, can be very beneficial for, uh, the inclusive education setting for sure. So the next question I have is, uh, what are some of the challenges that you, uh, find that can be associated with, uh, inclusive education? Um, I think something that, you know, made me, um, like something I said earlier makes me really kind of connect with this is that, um, willingness as a staff member or person, whoever you are, to be able to share your vulnerability and honesty in maybe fears that exist around some of the changes um, or around any concern that you have with it. Because I think in um, when I was a teacher, when I was able to vocalize that, that helped me to not only receive the help that I needed, and the support that I needed from parents and the school psychologists, everyone around me in this building. Um, but I also, you know, saw how 
important it was to have that structure that said, hey, we get this is new. If, if it doesn't work out perfectly at the beginning, that's okay. Um, so I felt safe to almost like try something new and fail where I wasn't going to be in trouble for it or I, I knew I wasn't you know damaging the student <laughs> um, and that it was safe. There was a safe space for me to and structures in place where I was um, supported in that process. So I, I will say in my work um, in the technical assistance project, I have heard some of those concerns where, you know, teachers want to make sure that they're delivering rigorous lessons or, you know, they have this expect curricular expectations. Um, and so just finding ways that they can be flexible in delivering those pieces while also being open when they need support. And then hopefully those structures exist for the teachers to have the support because, I mean, as a co-teacher, if I didn't have common planning time with my special educator, I, would have, I wouldn't have learned nearly half of the things I did um, that I would have needed to do as a general educator to support the students with disabilities in my class. And so just seeing how those organizational structures and the time is so necessary for teachers to be able to learn and reflect and uh, grow through changes as a team. That's such a, a great answer. And it's, you know, reminded me of the, um, you know, like being okay to say that you don't know something and just, you know, reaching out for help and saying, okay, I, I need some assistance with this. And because things constantly change in every field and, you know, the, the technology and the style that you use, you know, one school year might be, you know, outdated by the end of that school year or by the new school year, they're using something else. So just to, um, you know, it can be challenging that in itself to just keep up with everything and all of the changes that occur. But, um, you know, to, to be vulnerable, like you said, and, and to say, Hey, I, you know, I, I need some help with this, you know, this part here is, um, you know, definitely important. And on the flip side of that, can you um, share with us some of the benefits you have seen um, for inclusive education? I think as a high school educator, um, the benefits really are just I mean, immense in terms of <laughs> how they, it, it benefits everyone. I mean, it's something that's benefited me as an individual who doesn't have a disability. Um, but it's just, you see the shift in the culture and, um, you know, you see all your students collaborating and growing and learning from each other and everyone's being challenged and um, really held to high expectations where, you know, students rise to those occasions. And so, I mean, when I mentioned the high school piece, like really setting up students for success when they leave, um, whether that's, you know, moving on to, um, you know, higher education or setting them up for success with a job or independent living, like just really preparing students to be successful when they graduate. And that success looks different for all of our students. We, we wanna make sure that they're prepared for what they're going to experience when they leave school. Um, and that was always a huge part of, you know, my mindset around it. So in looking at how you can, as early on, remove those limitations um, where students are going to, you know, be as successful in those independent settings as possible. Yeah, that is, um, 
preparing for, you know, after the high school life and, uh, you know, whatever that looks like for, for that individual is, is such a great thing to mention because it's not, everybody doesn't take the same path after high school. Um, and that is okay. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, it's really, really great that you, um, that you mentioned that. And, um, the last question I have uh, for you is, uh, can you give us one thing that can be done in every school to better improve inclusive education? <laughs> it's such a big question. Yes. So <laughs> I think for me, the first thing I that really comes to mind is, is thinking about how it's not one person's job or one department's responsibility um, and really breaking down existing silos to make this a whole community's um, responsibility because it impacts everyone. It impacts, you know, the students, the parents, the community, the, you know, the scheduling, you know, down to, um, you know, custodial staff, organization of everything. So I think when when one group is doing all this heavy lifting, it takes a lot more time to see change. And so, although, um, you know, that it's like wide school or wide district changes takes, takes definite time. Um, I think just really considering how you can start by opening up that conversation um, or including everyone in, in the goals that they have for the process um, and understanding that everyone may have a different role in the way that they participate, but um, it, the end goal is essentially the same because it's your community. These are your people. Um, you know, this is you. So thinking about how we can just begin to open up that conversation more widely. Yes. And I, again, it's, you know, a lot of the conversation we've, we've talked about the collaborating and getting others involved. And, and you just said it again with not just, it's not one person or one department's uh, responsibility for this. You know, you have to get multiple people involved, multiple <laughs> uh, teachers and different departments involved and everybody to work together to make this a, uh, a great success because it is possible. And, uh, you know, but it, it can't just be on one or a few people. It has to be a, a, a group, a group project, a group effort. Uh, everybody, all hands on deck kind of situation where everybody is, uh, you know, sharing their their piece of information and knowledge and, and how it can all work together to benefit, again, to benefit all the students and, um, you know, help every individual student reach their full potential. Um, and, and that's a, a great way to wrap up this uh, episode. So, Alyssa, I thank you for your time today. I thank you for uh, all the great information that you shared and the uh, knowledge and awareness that you bring uh, to the subject of inclusive education. I really enjoyed this conversation with you and um, I hope you have a great day. <laughs> Thank you and thanks for taking the time to chat. It's been yes. great. Yes, it has been. So enjoy your day and I will be in touch soon. All right. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Inclusion Think Tank podcast. This podcast is brought to you by New Jersey Coalition for Inclusive Education. 
Be sure to subscribe on YouTube or Spotify, and don't forget to follow us on social media at NJCIE. Until next time.